Mark Batterson, he has a quote. He's the author of a famous book called The Circle Maker. He has this quote. He says, time is measured in minutes, but life is measured in moments. And this line is so true because if you think about over the course of your life, you may be so many years old, but what has made up your life, what has continued to be a part of your life, or even what you remember, or the, even the stories that you tell, is all made up of moments of your life. And these moments in your life are both good moments and bad moments. Nobody is partial. Nobody has just good moments. Everybody has good moments and bad moments. As I began to reflect on just the moments of my life, and as I hope that you are right now, some are coming to your mind. Some incredibly, incredibly good moments was in May 30th, 2015, whenever I married my beautiful wife. That was a good, good moment. Come on, tell her that I said that after service. It was a great moment. 2017, whenever I became a father, man, that was a good moment moment in our life. One I will never, ever forget. But then there's also some that I wish I could forget, but I can't forget. Whenever I was a senior in high school, we were playing in the All-A State semifinals, and there's only a few seconds on the clock. The ball comes into my hand. I'm at the top of the three-point line, and I go up like that, and it gets swatted. I can't forget it. We lost. I can't forget it. I got my last shot at Eastern Kentucky University just sent. I wish I could, but I cannot. But there's some moments in our life, good and bad moments. But then I'm going to bring to life another type of moment. And this whole series that we're in is called Holy Moments. Holy Moments. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about this as we look at the Christmas story, not necessarily as just one singular event, but in the moments that lead up and the moments that are all a part of what we would proclaim as the Christmas story, the holy moments within. In 2016, me and my family, we experienced what we would call an incredibly holy moment. And during this time, it wasn't necessarily a highlight of our life. We actually, in this time, Emily was expecting our first child in 2016. And then she wakes up one morning and things just weren't quite right. And so we call the doctor's office and they tell us to come in. And our doctor at that point was in Lexington, Kentucky. And the whole thing was just prayer and questioning God, what's going to happen? What will we know? You know, is the baby still with us or is he not? Um, And we get in there to the doctor's office and we're looking at the heartbeat or trying to find the heartbeat and there is no such luck. And the nurse in the room says that we have miscarried our, what we thought would be our first child. And you can imagine if you've experienced that, there's incredible heartbreak that comes in that moment of hope of what could be now completely in a moment, absolutely just shattered. But I can remember leaving that hospital room or the room, the hospital room, and we enter in the hallway and I call my sister and I tell her the news. But the most incredible thing then happened. I do say incredible. I do say what it was I was going to proclaim a God moment is that I see my father make the turn and come down the hallway to meet us. We're in Lexington, Kentucky. My father had made the trip all the way from Oliveville, Kentucky to Lexington to meet us in a moment here. And in this moment, through sadness, through tears, through hope lost, through just you know, broken expectations, what I got to see and experience was my father coming and meeting us where we are. And here's all they did. I just shook my head like this, and he just embraced me. No words, nothing to say, just an embrace. 
And this spoke so much to me because in the moment of brokenness, what did I then get to experience in this holy moment? I got to experience a father's love. I got to experience a father's embrace. And I say that that was a holy moment because I can look back at my life. And in that moment, I am reminded of God's incredible love for me and my family. It is as if God was using my father to wrap his arms around us and say, even though right now you may be broken, that even though right now you may not understand or you have questions, just know this, that I am here for you. My arms are literally wrapped around you. And since that day, through moments of questioning and doubt or heartache, that is what I remember. That is what has continued to shape my life. And so here's what I want to proclaim today is that there are moments in your life, moments in your life that may be difficult, may be hard, may be challenging, but in the holy moments, it is if God steps in. God steps into your reality. God steps into your life and begins to show you and tell you who he is. And what we're going to be challenged with this question that when God steps into our life, how do we respond? How do we respond to these holy moments that God moves and creates in our life? That is the big question that we are going to be looking at today. How do we respond to him, to who he is and what he is doing in these holy moments of our life? If you have your Bible, go to Luke chapter 1. If you're looking for a place this Christmas to actually start, to actually read the Christmas story, this is where you can go. Luke chapter 1, chapter 2, to get the whole story, everything leading up to the birth of Jesus and the incredible proclamations. This is where we're going to be over the next few weeks. We're going to begin in Luke chapter 1. And we're going to go to Mary, to Mary, to the birth of Jesus foretold in verse 26. And here's what I want you to focus on with me today, is that holy moments... That is God stepping into our reality for us to be able to see and know and experience who he is. See, most of the time, whenever we come into a church setting, our temptation is to make it all about me. To make it all about me. As if the whole book of the Bible was written specifically for you and about you. Here's what we want to bring to life. Is that this whole book is actually written about God. The whole thing is written about God, who he is, and then how he, throughout the New Testament, sent his son for us. And we find that we not are the story, but we, come, we get to become a part of that story. Okay, so here's what we got to do today. I want us to make sure we're on the right track is that your focus point for the next little bit is I want you to see who God is. First and foremost, what does this narrative tell us about who God is? What does the Christmas story tell us about who God is? And then at the end of it, we'll look, how do we respond to that? So stay focused with me just for a little bit. I'm really excited today about this text. We're going to begin in verse 26 through 27. It says, in the sixth month, in the sixth month, you may be wondering, we're kind of like jumping right in the middle of the story. We're going to learn what the sixth month means here in just a second. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. Let's hit pause for just a second. Holy moments, how do they begin? How do they begin? God steps into your life. If you notice here that what is happening in Mary's life is, is an angel is being sent by God to come and communicate something to her. 
as if in this moment, God is now coming to her. Throughout all of the Bible, this is the continual trend. God comes to us. God comes to us. He is beginning to do something special here. God's hand is about to work. God's hand is about to give this message. And who's he giving this message to? To a girl named Mary. We find that Mary is a virgin, but she is also betrothed to a man named Joseph. So this would be like a formal engagement to Joseph. Not yet consummated the marriage, but is in this year of waiting and preparation. This is where we find themselves. And where are they from? Nazareth. Nazareth is this word that many people would even believe the same thing over Carter County, over Olive Hill and Grayson. Like, can anything good come from Carter County? Right? The haters. The haters. It's like the same thing. Mary is from a small town just like us. Not a lot of people. Definitely not a lot of praise or recognition as like compared to like a Jerusalem where there's palaces and where the kings live. It's a small village, small town. And so God sends Gabriel to give her a message. What is that message? Well, let's look at it. And what does this message, once again, tell us about who God is? Well, he begins, Gabriel in verse 28. It says, And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. If you are in Mary's footsteps, I don't know about you. I've never had just like an angel appear. I am sure if I had an angel appeared, I would probably scream. There would be incredible fear within me. I would probably run, honestly, run or fall out or pass out. One of the two. This is an abnormal event, right? This is an abnormal. Nobody in this room has had an angelic experience like this. But what does he say to her? Greetings, Mary. You have found favor with God or oh, favored one. It's mentioned twice here to continue to remind her, hey, Mary, We are bringing a message to you. What does this say about God is that God has found favor in your life. This word favor is incredibly important. If you look throughout the New Testament, we connect it to another word. The Greek word that we see is called kairos. And this word is used two different ways. We see the word favor used here, but throughout the New Testament, we see the word grace. If you've heard proclaimed over your life or the the gospel message, it is by grace you have been saved. It is by grace that God came, or through his grace, he sent his son, through his mercy and grace. What does this mean? Mary is becoming a part of God's story, God's plan, and it's not based on anything she has done. Nothing she has done deserves this. There is not a resume that she has put on place. There is not a past that has been perfect, that has allowed her to be the one. It is simply God coming into her life because of his grace. How does God work? He works graciously. And so here's what I want to speak over myself and over you today, is that when we begin to think about who God is, God is gracious. God is gracious, is that he meets you. He steps into your life right where you are. And the blessings that he wants to bestow on your life, the favor that he wants to bring forth on your life is nothing. It is nothing based on what you have done, both good or bad. And so this word favor is so important for each and every single one of us to see and to understand that Mary in this moment, she's receiving freely this favor based on this kind initiative by God. 
for you and me, here's what I want to proclaim a little bit further, is that God sees you. What does His grace tell us is that God sees you. Let me share a little story with you. I've got to know this guy. His name's Andy Sims. And Andy Sims, he works for an organization called Lifeline. And Lifeline spreads incredible good news all across the globe through a couple key ways. Goods and resources and also church planting. They raise up local pastors that will minister to the local or, or to, to the people in which they live. And over the past couple of weeks, Andy had the opportunity to go down to Cuba. Cuba is still under a communism. They are still under oppression in that way, but there's still a people that needs hope and needs good news. And so he's connecting with all sorts of different families and he gets the opportunity to walk into one family's home and he notices in the corner that there's a Lifeline food bag. Well, the people there, they just assumed that Lifeline had just provided a good or provided a resource. They had no idea how this was connected as if Lifeline was just some 501c3 just making donations to a group of people. And Andy began to ask, he said, do you know where this came from? I said, well, Lifeline, of course. He said, no, 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 you don't, you don't understand. He said, yes, Lifeline may have been the organization that helped get it here, but he said, I want you to know that that bag of food was packed and prayed over by a group of individuals from across the world that seen you and that began to pray over you and that prayed that through this gift it would fit a need, but then you would also see, most importantly, that God sees you. That through their work, God sees you. And immediately begin to shift their mind and their perspective of, oh my gosh, not only do we get a meal, but you're telling me that, that this is from God? That God put this in our lives? And he said, yes, God sees you. We had an opportunity over the past couple of weeks as a church. Many people don't even get to see so much of what we, what we get to do just under the surface because once again, it's not about us as a church, but I wanna share with you this incredible opportunity that we had. I get a phone call from one of my buddies and he said, hey, we just got word that there's this family and they are pretty much at the end, end of the line of how they can get food for their home. He said, they're pretty much eating rice and beans at this point, and that's about it. Not even sure where their next meals are going to come from. He said, do you think the church would be able to help? And the simple answer, as we're going to see later, is yes. What do they need? What do they need? And I began to call her and ask her a few questions, get to understand a little bit more of her story. And I said, here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you a gift card. And we're going to allow you the opportunity. I said, this is how much it's going to be to where you can actually shop. You know what I mean? Like actually put a list out. Before that time, she was counting coins and just going into the store and getting whatever she could with the little change that she had. I said, make a list, honey. Make a list because you're going to be able to buy you and your family some food. And as we meet up to give the gift card, she just begins to say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And we just kind of begin to put a stop to it and say, listen, God is providing. I said, praise God. Don't praise me. Don't praise our church. Praise God. Because here's what I want you to know, that right now in your pain, right now in your suffering, right now in your, in your absence of what you may need, God has seen you. How good is that for each and every single one of us? That in the moments of our need, that in the moments of our brokenness, how does His grace come upon us? What should we see upon His graciousness is that He sees you. And man, that gives some incredible comfort to each and every single one of us. Let's continue on. So that's the first one. God's grace is here. We see Mary. She is kind of confused. Uh, she is uh, beginning to under trying to understand what does this mean? 
But then the greeting comes, do not fear, which is so important. Do not fear what the Lord may be doing in your life. Do not fear the holy moments that God may be putting you into. And Gabriel begins the proclamation even more. You have found favor with God, but beginning in verse 31, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus, and he will be great, and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Let's pause here for just a second. We see he speaks directly, Mary, you, you, oh, favorable one, you are about to be used by the Lord to bring about this who? This man, this boy, his son named Jesus. And he's going to have so many different names. They're going to call him the Most High. He is the Son of God. He is the Holy One. And what will he do? He will reign forever. His goodness, his mercy, his love, which is the way in which the Jesus will work throughout his ministry, that it will reign forever and ever. He will sit upon the throne of his father. Mary, this son, this is who he will be. And you are the one that I'm using to bring this forth. And as she hears these words, here's what's crazy. See, many of us, we have no context for this verses, no context at all. We begin to see this word of a king, but as she hears these words, she is reminded. She begins, wait, 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 wait. I've heard this before. I know what these words are. These words have been spoken over me and my, and my fellow classmates and my family for years and years. Wait a minute, you're telling me the hope that we have been praying for, the king that we have been praying for, that this is it? As she dwells over this, she would have been immediately gone back to 2 Samuel. She would have known the scripture. She would have heard these words spoken in the synagogue. 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. She would have been reminded of these words. I'm going to read them with you on the screen. It says, when your days are fulfilled. Who is this we're talking about here? Let's pause for a second. This is Nathan, the prophet, speaking over King David. Hundreds of years before Mary even existed. Hundreds of years and Nathan says to David, as a prophet, as a word, it says, thus says the Lord in verse five of this chapter, as if this is a message coming from God. It says, when your days are fulfilled and you lie down with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring after you who shall come from your body and I will establish his kingdom. If we go back to the earlier verses that Joseph, the line and the lineage of David comes important here. It says, what shall he do? He shall build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And when he commits iniquity, I will discipline him with the rod of men and with the stripes of the sons of men. And then 15 and 16, but my steadfast love will not depart from him as I take it from Saul, whom I put away from you before. Verse 16, the finished line here says, and your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. The promised hope of a future king. Now the same words being proclaimed. But she wouldn't have just heard 2 Samuel. She also would have understood the Psalms that David sang. Psalms 89, as we think about it, I'm going to use my Bible to highlight this one, Psalms 89, verses 1 through 4, this incredible passage here. It says, I will sing of the steadfast love of the Lord forever. With my mouth, I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. 
For I said, steadfast love will be built up forever. In the heavens, you will establish your faithfulness. You have said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant. I will establish your offspring forever and build your throne for all generations. She would have known this and she would have heard this. But then lastly, she would have went to Isaiah, to the prophet Isaiah and what would have been spoken during this time. And she would have heard Isaiah chapter 9. It says, for every boot of the tramping warrior in battle, tumult, and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. And then verse 6 says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Mary would have heard these words of Gabriel and immediately her heart would have resonated with all that she would have hoped for. And there's this moment that we see here, what does this tell us about God? Is that his word will never fail. His word will never fail. If you are even doubting the existence of who Jesus is, here's an incredible point to make is that what we just read about Isaiah and what we've been reading in Luke are hundreds of years apart. We see prophecy literally being fulfilled hundreds of years apart as if God was not necessarily silent or that God was not in fulfillment of what he had promised, but he was continually working all the way up to this moment with Mary. And if you are looking for a word of encouragement, if you are looking for who God really is in your life, it is the understanding and the belief that his word will never fail. That what he has promised in his word will be true. That his word will not be void. That if you look for his hope and his salvation, it will be true over your life. That it truly can be forgiven. That you truly can be restored. That you really can be redeemed. That all evil and brokenness, that really it has been conquered. There's so much truth that we can step into here. But I also want to bring to life here is that, number one, God, he promised that what he promised came true. Man, step into that, that what God promised, he came true. But then the second one I want to share with you, how did the fulfillment of God's word come true? Through Mary. Through Mary. I want to make a comment here. It says, there is a deeply held hope that the Israelites would have had and that Mary would have had. And that she was the one that God used to bring forth this hope, not only to her, but also to those that she will then meet or the other Israelites. She is the one God is bringing into life to bring forth hope. And so here's what I want to make a connection with you today is that how, do, how does God want to bring forth his word, his truth, his hope is that he wants to use you. He wants to use you that you are the source of his truth. You are the source of his, of the fulfillment. Because here's what's crazy is that if you've experienced the fulfillment of God in your life, of God's truth in your life, then it gives you the opportunity to then proclaim over others that says, this has been true for me and I promise that it will also be true for you. When I met the woman and gave her a gift card, I began to proclaim, said, listen, God's word is true. He will provide and he works in some unusual ways as we're going to find here in just a moment. But God wants to use you. God wants to use me to bring about the truth of his word.
So Mary, she hears all this and gets to the favorite verse. My, one of my favorite verses of this whole passage. Proclaims that you're going to bring forth the son and this is who he is. He will bring forth the fulfillment of all that I promised to all of Israel. And then in verse 34, if we bring it up on the screen, it says, And Mary said to the angel, How will this be? I just want to pause. Aren't you so thankful that the mother of our Savior and Messiah asked a question? Aren't you just thankful for that? Because here's what, this is the most human response. The most human response to each and every single one of us is that whenever God, whenever holy moments come into our life, we automatically begin to ask questions. And if you go back to me in, the, in Lexington, during that time, it's like, I began to ask so many questions. God, why did this happen? God, help me to understand what you are doing. Help me to try to figure out what is happening, God. I don't understand. You bring forth life, the life, but yet we are now experiencing this. I love the humanity that we see in Mary, but I got to bring to life, Mary in this moment is not doubting or questioning God, but she is asking a question. You understand the difference? Questioning is as if questioning the authority. She's not doing that, but she is asking a question. God, how can this be since I am a virgin? God, I know what biology is. I have biology. Like I understand what this is, and I am uh, currently a virgin. Me and Joseph have not been together in that way. How can this be? And so maybe today you are finding yourself just asking a question. Now the challenge will be, will you doubt God? Will you question God? Or will you just simply, God, help me understand just for a moment. How can this be? And here's what we see throughout the rest of this passage is that God is gracious to her question. She's gracious to this. Gabriel is gracious to this question. Understands her heart. And then he begins to proclaim this over her. This is verse 37, or I'm sorry, 35. The angel said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born, will be called holy. You see, whenever she begins to question this line here, I am a virgin. How will this be? God graciously responds and says, the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, come upon you, and then he will be called holy. This will be a divine interaction. This will be a divine birth here. And so here's what we learn thirdly about how God works. There's a word we have continued to learn and study this week. It's called preternatural. Preternatural. And I'm going to give you the definition because maybe you're hearing this for the first time, but it's important beyond what is normal or natural. And so you begin to ask, how does then God work? How is God working through Mary in this story? Preternatural. And you could say beyond what is normal, or I would even say beyond what is expected. And so as you begin to think about what is happening in your life, as you begin to think about what moments may come into your life, is that you need to understand that God does not work in the same way the world works. Your expectations of how he should work, they do not matter and probably be very, very different from how he really works. He works in unusual ways, not in the normal ways of which our culture works and leads. Now, to many of us, this becomes a big problem. And here's what I would say even more so is that the older you get, the bigger that this problem becomes. Because the older you are, the more of the time that you have spent on this earth, the more that you begin to be more cynical, doubtful. 
you begin to say, there is absolutely no way. And how do I know this to be true? Just a few verses over, you see where Zechariah gets almost the same message from Gabriel, that his wife, who is barren, Elizabeth, in their old age, like way beyond childbearing years, will give forth a son. And he says, give me a sign that this will be. Completely questions God. Because throughout his life, he's like, I have watched many, many people. We have tried for many, many years, and it has been impossible, God. And we are way past that point. There's no way. And so with, as we begin to see God in your life, is that I pray that we will not be cynical. I pray that even your past experiences, maybe with the world and maybe even with the silence of God, would not create within your heart this this closed approach to how he may be working right now. Because how he normally works is not how we would expect and oftentimes not at all how we want. It's preternatural, beyond what is normal or expected. But he gives this line here. He says, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, the Son of God. And then 36 And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has conceived a son. This is the sixth month, connected back up to the very first words that were spoken. That this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. The one who thought was way beyond childbearing years is now proclaimed to Mary that she has also conceived a son or will also conceive a son. And this is the sixth month and with her who is called barren for nothing, verse 37, for nothing will be impossible with God. Our fourth and last implication here of who God is, is this proclamation that comes from verse 37, that nothing will be impossible for God. And if you begin to just say this over your life, that you say nothing will be impossible for God, that there is no sin that is too impossible for me to overcome, that there is no struggle in my life that is not too impossible for God to overcome, that there's even no, no, I mean, no heartaches, no hardships that's too impossible for God. This is a character of who he is that there is absolutely nothing impossible for God. Nothing. Nothing. Can you just say that? Nothing. Come on, one more time. Once, everybody say it together. Ready? Nothing. Ooh, doesn't that feel good? Nothing. Because every single one of us has one of those nothings. Right? We each have a nothing. That if we can begin to proclaim for that nothing in your life, nothing. It would, nothing will be impossible with God. Nothing. Man, what an encouragement to us. And so when we look through these verses, once again, the whole focus of the Christmas story is about Jesus. And the whole focus of our narrative is continuing to point to who He is and who God is. And so I want to take you back to where we have been to give you this encouragement today. Because this this is where we have to be. What does this reveal about who God is? That God graciously steps into your life. He graciously steps into your life. And then the second thing that we have seen and we've learned is that his, that there's, his word will never fail. That his word will never fail. That his promises continue to be true. That the word of God continues to be true in our lives today as it was for Mary then. And we learned third that his ways are not like the world's ways. That they are preternatural. They, they are beyond what is normal. 
or natural. And then lastly, we get to this incredible conclusion that then nothing in our lives, that nothing that we may face is impossible for our God. In this, I hope that you can see that this is where it must begin. In your life, how do you see God? Do you see these things as evident or as true? How do you respond then to who he has been proclaimed to be? And let's look first, well, how does Mary respond? You see, if we go back to these verses, she sees that God's grace has come upon her, that God's favor has come upon her, that the words that have been spoken over her life, that they are coming true, and that even though she may not understand how it's possible completely and fully, that yes, it is going to be done because she understands that nothing is impossible for God. And so then how does she respond to the words that the Gabriel has spoken? Verse 38, hang on to your hats. It's unbelievable how she says it here. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. Let's look at just a couple things here. Behold, I am a servant. God, my life is no longer mine. You have now come and you have graciously stepped into my life. My life is now yours. And whatever you would have me do, Lord, I will do it. And then she makes this word, this proclamation there then, let it be to me according to your word. You see, we like to say a prayer, Lord, let it be according to me. <laughs> let it be according to me. Let it be according to my will. Lord, change your will, not my will. Every situation, and I even in the moment when we had the miscarriage, it's like, God, change your will. Change your will. Change it, right? That's our temptation. Whatever struggle you are in right now, whatever place that you're in your life right now, more than likely you have prayed the prayer, Lord, change this. Let it be according to me and what I want, and what I desire, what I hope for, Mary doesn't do that. She makes the words, Lord, let it be to me according to your word. I am your servant. And so how do we respond to who God is? What is the example that Mary shows us in this, in this Christmas narrative? is two things, faith and acceptance. Faith, number one, is the belief that God is who he is. And so as she sees this all spoken over her, she believes really and truly that this is who God is. And all that is spoken over her that she will step into, she then freely accepts. The word you may have used is to, to surrender. I think surrender is if you have to fight a little bit or you're waving a white flag, which I think is some truth there. But I want you to flip your mindset to accept. This is what the Lord has spoken over me. I will accept it as being true. You see, for us though, well, let's elaborate a little bit more for Mary. See, Mary, though, this is not a simple matter. We have to bring this to life. This is not a simple matter for Mary. Number one, she's betrothed to Joseph. So if she is now carrying a child, what is everybody going to think? It's exactly what we think. Who was she with? <laughs> she has cheated on Joseph. She understood by accepting this, she was going to be ridiculed. She was going to be 
going to be abused in some different ways, probably by her family and relatives. She's going to be looked down upon and everybody is not going to believe that, yeah, the Holy Spirit used that one before, right? You know what I mean? So she will experience heartache there, but then her moment of faithfulness and acceptance is not just a moment. And this is what holy moments require is that you will find throughout your life is that it's not just a holy moment that you will have, but you will have holy moments. As Mary continues to live out her life, here's what she is gonna have to continue to do. Lead with faith and acceptance because what's gonna happen to all the moms in the room is that her baby boy, her baby boy, when he begins his ministry is going to be mocked is going to be ridiculed by the Jewish elites, is then her baby boy is going to be flogged, is going to be beaten, is going to be accused, and then these words are going to be proclaimed over him, crucify him. And then you will find at the tail end of the gospel, you will see Mary standing before the cross of her son dying for you and me. You see, what she is saying yes to is not just a moment, but the moments that will come. And in each one, she leads with this faith and this acceptance. Now for you and me, what's the struggle here? As we begin to say, what's the opposite or what's the sin to be avoided in our lives? As God comes into our lives, as we see his truth, what is our struggle going to be? Well, number one is that we will doubt the power of God. We will doubt the power of God, number one. We will question him. We won't understand, so we won't believe it to be true. So we'll deny and question God's power. But then ultimately, I think what we see throughout our culture, what we see throughout our church, and we see even throughout my life, this is so true, is a reluctancy, as a reluctancy. And here's what I mean by that, is that we slow to begin or proceed with a course of action because of doubts or uncertainty. Let me connect with every single person in the room. You come up to a red light and there is a homeless man there. What do you do? What do you do? I'm not trying to say that giving to a homeless man every single time you come to him is the right decision, but I'm also saying that it may be the right decision. Because if you're like me, I get there and I'm like, oh man, do I even have cash? That's the first thing I'm, I'm there. It's like, you take Venmo or you know what I mean, right? This is the world we live in. But what you will probably do is you'll begin to say, I mean, like, does he really need it? Is my money just gonna go to continue to further X, Y, Z, all the preconceived beliefs that we have about that person, that girl or guy? Uh, will we begin to then question like, Will this really even make a dent in his life? You know, I only got five, a couple bucks, you know, that I'm even willing to give. And then here's what happens. You'll contemplate this and all while you're praying, God, just make it green. Like, just make it green. And you'll do that. It'll be green and then we'll drive off. And you know what I'm saying here is that there are moments that come into our lives and this is what we will do. We will literally contemplate them, question them. And what I'm pointing to is we will be reluctant. It's the same thing as what you're going to see, be challenged with today. And this is, this is not a guilt trip to make you give, but this is an opportunity to see what this is true within us. As you will leave today, you're going to find names on the tree. 
And those names represent a student who we're buying a pair of shoes for and a coat for. And from this time on, you will begin to question, ah, do I really need to buy for a kid? Or, you know, ah, we've already spent so much on Christmas. Or we got all these other plans for Christmas. And you'll begin to just run your mind through a gambit of all of these reasons why you maybe should and shouldn't. And what may end up happening is you may just walk through the door. You may just walk through that door and right out and you'll continue. I'll just continue to think about this a little bit longer. This is the story that we continue to live throughout our lives every single day is that ultimately that we are hesitant or we are reluctant to truly live with faith and acceptance of what God may be doing. When in, we look in Mary's response, we see almost a simplicity, but a depth of what she is saying that I am your servant, may it be according to your word. May it be according to your word. Mary is saying, God, use me. Lord, may I not refrain. Lord, may I not hesitate. And Lord, may when I find myself in moments of my own weakness and my own doubt that you could even use me, Lord, may you empower me. May it be your power and your strength that continues to move me along. Let's finish here today with the last word I want to share. In verse 38, it continues. In those days, Mary arose and went with haste into the hill country to a town in Judah. And she entered the house of Zechariah and greeted Elizabeth. And when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary, the baby leapt in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And she exclaimed with a loud cry, blessed are you among women and blessed is the fruit of your womb. And why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For behold, when the sound of your greeting came to my ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. And I want to finish here in verse 46. And blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what was spoken to her from the Lord. What does life look like that is lived with faith and acceptance? It is a blessed life. Today, if you are carrying the weight of a situation, if you are carrying a weight of a struggle in your life, if you are continually living your life with maybe a sorrow, a grief, a guilt, or a shame, that is the opposite of the way in which God wants you to be able to freely live. You see, what a blessed life means, this word here is used, it means happy, happy, happy. Another way I put it is joyful. Now, what do you experience from faith and acceptance? Joy in your life, peace in your life. Because his promises that we've just learned all about who God is are true. And then you get to walk into that blessed life with him where you get to experience joy and happiness. And here's what I want to share with you as well, is that what does the blessed life then do for others? You see, the moment where we got the opportunity to feed that family or provide food for that family, who was blessed? She was blessed. She was blessed. You see, your faith and your acceptance not only blesses others, but then also it blesses you. I'm getting to step into a moment for our church where we get to be good news for some family. We get to share this incredible hope that God sees her. And then I'm assured and affirmed that God still sees people. She's blessed, I'm blessed. If you're looking for a blessing in your life, if you're looking for a life that is full of joy today, I'm not saying without pain, I'm not saying without heartache, but a blessed life that today, how do you find that? Faith and acceptance in who Jesus is and what he is doing.
Would you just bow your heads with me here as we just have a moment of reflection here. Today we have hopefully got to see through this moment of Gabriel and Mary. We got to learn, most importantly, who God is. And as you begin to go about your day and go about your week, here's what I want to share with you is that there's a promise to claim in this scripture. And the promise to claim is those four attributes that we see of God, that he is graciously coming into your life, that his word will never fail, that yes, he works in unusual ways, but nothing is impossible for him. Would you just step into that promise today? And then also step into the promise that having faith in who he is will lead to a life that is blessed. And then there's a prayer to respond. And this is a prayer that each and every single person, whether you are a believer or or you are someone who does not yet put their faith and trust in Jesus, this is the faithful prayer. This is the prayer that you would say and proclaim over your life now. I am the Lord's servant. And what you're proclaiming is that your life is no longer yours, but your life is now his under your faith and belief in who God is and how he has stepped into your life. And then the prayer to repeat here is this, Lord, I am your servant. Let it be according to your word. Meaning, God, may your word just continue to be true. Lord, may I continue to trust and accept your word over my life. And then lastly, I want to challenge you today as we leave is that holy moments will continue to come into your life. They will come into your life literally as you leave. They will come into your life later tonight. And here's what I hope and I challenge you is that you will step into those holy moments as Mary did with faith and acceptance. We want to encourage you that at the end of service, if you would like prayer, you can come and find me or come and find our team. And we'd love to just pray for you. If it's a prayer that you've decided to become the Lord's servants, to make Jesus your Lord, then we want to celebrate that with you today. But also if you just need prayer over a situation, Lord, we would just love to help you there. Let us pray today. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Lord, thank 